Our text today is in Luke chapter 2 as we consider our Christmas text for today. Luke's Gospel chapter number 2, that famous text on what happened when Jesus was born. It's a tiny pulpit, I'm not quite used to that. <laughs> I need something big. <laughs> My father had a habit that always gave us a bit of a surprise. He'd come to the Thanksgiving dinner and sit down and he'd say to us, I invited a couple extra people. <laughs> and uh, it was always a last minute surprise and after a few years we came to expect it. And it w- wasn't the idea that we couldn't handle uh, extra people. There was always enough food and as they say there's always room for one more, right? But it was rather the type of people he invited. They were people who were alone on Thanksgiving, not because they had no family, but because they were what you might call not socially graceful people. And on several occasions, we had very awkward moments because they said something that would have been better if it was left unsaid. (laughs) But we did our best to deal with it. And after all, Thanksgiving is a time to share the bounty that God has supplied. And so it was, we followed my father's example in our house at Christmas time. And there was a man, an old man, he was alone in this world And he was rather eccentric. My wife used to do work for him. His name was Wilbur McPartland. And he lived alone in an old trailer at the end of Roberts Road. And at one time he had kept the book for all the banks in Batavia. But in his old age he just did taxes for a few folks. He was a pleasant fella. But I got to tell you, he didn't smell very good. (laughs) But my wife, for several years, invited him to breakfast on Christmas morning. And he ate with great relish. He enjoyed those Christmas breakfasts at our home. Old and worn out, hard time getting in the door. We got him out of his car and brought him in the house. Reduced to poverty and unable to take good care of himself. Yet, when he left our home after a good breakfast and a couple hours of conversation, I always felt like we'd done the right thing. And I felt a deep satisfaction because we had included Wilbur McPartland in our Christmas festivity. In the original Christmas story, there's another old man who plays a role in that first Christmas. He's not a famous person. He's not a person of wealth or any kind of prominence. Not a man who was a part of a religious structure of the day. No, just an old, lonely man whose name would have never been known except for that first Christmas. So we read from Luke chapter 2. Begin reading at verse number 22. When the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him, that is, baby Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves 
or two young pigeons. This is proof that Mary and Joseph were destitute and poverty-stricken. The sacrifice for a newborn, firstborn son was a lamb. But if you were so poor, you couldn't get a lamb, and you could get two pigeons. So Mary and Joseph were very poor, and they went to the temple that day to sacrifice the, the pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. It doesn't exactly say that Simeon was an old man, but it rather implies that he was an old man because he was thinking about death, his own death. Young men don't think about death. (laughs) They think about living. It's older men who think about death. But Simeon's character is well defined for us. Number one, he was just, it says. That is, he made good decisions all through his life, and he always did the right thing. Hard to say about most of us, isn't it? Number two, he was devout, that is, devoted Devoted to God. He loved God and served God in his own quiet way. He wasn't a high priest. He wasn't even a regular priest. He had no role in that busy temple in Jerusalem. He just attended services in the temple because he loved God. And people who really do love God will always take very seriously anything that God says. And God said that one day he would send to this world a Messiah. But notice carefully, it doesn't say that Simeon was waiting for the Messiah. It says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In Simeon's mind, the person he was waiting for was a consoler. Now to console someone is to comfort them, To make them feel less sad. To take away their disappointment. And Simeon was waiting for someone who could make him feel so much better. And so much happiness. And so much more satisfied. That's what he was waiting for. Now that was different from the majority of people in that day. Most people wanted the Messiah to come, take over the government, and overthrow the Roman invaders. And they wanted a political leader to get rid of Roman Empire's hold on Israel. You remember when Jesus fed 5,000, they said they were going to force him to be their king. That's the kind of king they wanted, a political king. But not Simeon. He wanted a friend. Someone to help him feel satisfied, to console him. 
My friends, if you really know Jesus, then you know that's exactly what he is. He's a friend with an amazing ability to help you feel better about everything. And although I honor Jesus as an impressive king of kings, I love him because he consoles me and makes me feel better. Now, fascinating it is how this event unfolds. Simeon is sitting at home, and a quiet urging comes inside of him. And it says he came by the Spirit to the temple. Something inside of him said, Simeon, go to the temple. God's voice. My friends, that is exactly how Jesus works in you and me. There's a quiet urging. And in your heart, you'll feel something. A need to do something. It's not an overwhelming pressure. It's not force. It's a thought that comes to our mind. For Simeon, for you and I, it might be this. You know you should get up and go to church. That's what Simeon felt. Now in your mind, sometimes you have excuses that you don't have to go to church. (laughs) I'm too tired. I'm too busy. I'll go next week. But you felt the urge to go. And you don't know why. But you felt the urge. Question is, will you go or not? Simeon felt the urge, got up, and went to the temple. I'm sure he was tired. After all, he was an old man. I'm sure he could go later. The temple was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He could go anytime. But Simeon, who heard God and felt the urge, obeyed the quiet voice inside him. He didn't know why he should go now. He didn't know what to expect. He just went with the thought, I'll find out why when I get there. My friends, that is just like God. He wants you to do something. He'll tell you why later. Please, my friends, listen to God's quiet urgings in your heart and do what he tells you to do without knowing why. So Simeon went. There's no arguments with God. He just went. And if you can picture it, it's hard for us to picture, he entered into that great temple. 27 acres of property. Buildings, huge buildings, 27 acres of property. Hundreds of people going and coming everywhere. There are priests and Levites. Some of them are sacrificing at the altar. Some of them are praying out in the courtyard. Some of them are standing on the stairways that are all through the building singing. 
There's activity all around. It's almost confusion. People everywhere. And then... And then Simeon sees poor folks. They're obviously poor folks. You can tell by their clothes. And you can tell by their demeanor. They walk quietly. They do nothing to make a scene. Obviously, they are not regular attenders there. They're not a part of the religious structure. They are just poor folks. But the mother is carrying what is obviously a newborn baby. And then something happened. God whispered in Simeon's ear. He said, you see that couple? That's why I urged you to come today. That baby is your consolation. That's him. That's my Messiah. And amongst all the noise and the confusion and the people all over the place, Simeon steps forward and speaks to the parents. You got a beautiful baby. I've seen this happen a thousand times. Can I see him? And Mary hands over this little bundle to this old man. And he holds the baby close, tight. And he says, now I can die in peace. God, just like you promised, my eyes have seen your great plan of salvation. This little baby... He's going to light up the whole world. He's the very reason Israel even exists. So that he could come into the world. And Mary and Joseph are speechless. They don't know what to say. You see, Mary and Joseph knew what the shepherds had told them about a sky full of angels singing praises for her new baby on the night he was born. And both Mary and Joseph themselves had talked to an angel about the birth of Christ. But in this great temple with hundreds of people and priests and religious leaders, nobody knew or cared about that little baby that Mary was carrying. No one except this one old Man. It was a great surprise to Mary and Joseph to find out that somebody didn't know about this little baby. This one old man. They felt lost in the crowd. They felt ignored and insignificant in that 27 acres of property. Until old Simeon grabbed that baby and held him tight. And just as Simeon is hugging the baby Jesus, somebody else comes up to them. Verse 36, there was one Anna, prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, 
the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she was coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise to the Lord, and spoke of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. First an old man and an old woman. 84 years old she was. She also seems to know who this baby really is. Now Simeon had obeyed the quiet urgings of God in his heart. And because he obeyed and went to the temple, he met Jesus Christ. That's exactly why God gives you and me the same quiet urgings in our heart. He wants us to meet Jesus Christ. My friends, obey the urgings of God. Listen carefully to the still small voice. The voice wants you to feel better. Wants to comfort you. Wants to console you and bring you close to Jesus so that you too can die in peace. I wonder, as you've listened to all the Christmas story at this time of year, if you've noticed a thread that weaves its way through the whole Christmas story. There's a theme that repeats itself over and over. It starts with Mary and Joseph. The Bible says they were of the house and lineage of King David, but you never would have guessed it. They were poverty-stricken. Not privileged or important, but plain, everyday, poor people. And on top of their poverty, they were... (coughs) forced by the government to travel four days on foot from Nazareth to Bethlehem just so they could register to be taxed. That sounds like a familiar theme, doesn't it? They were burdened with Roman taxation. So God chose poor poverty-stricken, burdened people to be the parents of the Son of God. The first news of his birth came to the shepherds out on the hills that night. Shepherds were considered to be in that place outcasts of society. Of any profession, the worst one to be was a shepherd. And so it was, the outcasts of society, shepherds on the hillside, were the first to hear of Jesus Christ's birth. And they saw hundreds, no, thousands of angels. No human has witnessed such a sight as the shepherds did that night before or since. Shepherds, the outcasts of society, witnessed the the greatest display of angelic forces ever seen by human eyes. 
And now an old man, soon to die, and an 84-year-old woman, in the waning years of life, are the two that are chosen to welcome the baby Jesus to the temple. Not priests, not Levites, not religious leaders, just two old people. And a while later, the Magi would come to visit the baby. They were Gentiles, outsiders, considered by the Jews to be cursed just because they were Gentiles. And they would come and bow before the baby Jesus. So the thread that weaves its way through the Christmas story is that Jesus came into this world on that first Christmas to poverty-stricken, burdened people, to outcasts from society, to old people who had been forgotten, long forgotten, and to outsiders. Jesus came to people like you and me, didn't he? If you find yourself somewhere on that list, poor, burdened, old, outsiders, don't be discouraged. Jesus came to console us, to comfort us, to make us feel better. So follow the urgings of your heart and come to Jesus. He came for you. Will you come to him? So Merry Christmas, my friends. Jesus is our friend. Good news. Good news. So may God bless you and your family at Christmas time as you gather around with your families and enjoy the season. May God richly bless you. May he fill your house with joy and happiness. And may you find him to be the source of helping you to feel so much better. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for helping us the way you did. For coming to poor, old, lonely, forgotten people. Choosing them above others. That we will know forever and ever that Jesus comes to people just like us. So bless us out of this season as he comes to our homes as he comes to our services, as he comes to our gatherings, as he shines his light into us, may we be pleased and happy to know that he is with us. He is our friend, God with us. We are grateful and thankful for the season of the year when we can sing and rejoice and share with others the blessings of God. Bless us, we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn in your hymn books, if you will. Hymn number 381, standing as we sing, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Number 381, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Page 381.
ask Levi say a prayer. Dear Lord, we are grateful for this Christmas time. <clears throat> it can draw our hearts closer to an understanding of you, what you did for us, and that you are the Savior of the <coughs> world. You came as that greatest gift. You came to die for us. You came to be our friend. You came to be there for all of the poor and the needy, the lowly, the elderly, those who are burdened. We pray that we would lean on you at this time. We pray that we would see as the birthday of the little king. And we pray that we would make you the king of our lives and of our hearts and listen. Have hearts that listen quietly to you this season. May we take that time to listen to you and to know that you have done great things. May you reach down into our hearts, watch over <coughs> us this season, bring us back to this place, protect us, be with us, Lord, and change us. Help us to be more like Christ our King. We thank you for the great gift of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.